Welcome to the True Sports Physical Therapy Podcast with your host, Dr. Yoni Rosenblatt. Are you seeking insights on building a thriving practice and adding value to your clients? Well, today we've got you covered. Join us as we sit down with Aaron Alexander, CR, LMT, an accomplished author, podcaster, manual therapist, and movement coach. In this episode, Aaron shares strategies, principles, and personal experiences that have propelled the success and add a significant value to his clients. From the significance of effective communication to incorporating holistic approaches in your practice, Aaron Alexander offers actionable advice for those looking to enhance their skills and broaden their impact. Explore how adding value extends beyond the clinic or studio, creating lasting connections and fostering a community around your expertise. Let's jump right in. Aaron Alexander, welcome to the True Sports Physical Therapy Podcast. Thrilled that we got through all of our technical difficulties, all of our scheduling issues, and very happy to have you here. Thanks for making time, man. Yeah, bro. Thanks for doing this. Excited to get to get to talk. You have made an unbelievable name for yourself. I mean, you are you're everywhere from your Align podcast to your Align Method book, which was an outstanding listen on Audible. Thank you for reading it. Um, I appreciate it. What piece, how did you do this? What piece of advice can you share to strength coaches, to sports PTs across the world that are trying to get recognized the way you have been recognized? Wow. I don't think of it that way. I appreciate that reflection. Um, if there was something that you were like, you know, holding a samurai sword to my neck and saying I, I needed to divulge no. something or else you're going to decapitate me. Uh, I would probably something that probably set me apart would be I've gone out of my way for the last at least 15 years. I've been doing training for the last 20 years, but I'd say probably more like the last like actually nine years or 10 years since I started the podcast. Um, I've gone out of my way to offer free sessions to people of you know influence, not necessarily like influencers on social media, but people of influence in like my community. Um, I started off doing rolfing and manual therapy and body work and training in, well, Hawaii originally, and then Boulder, Colorado. It's like the mecca of the Rolf Institute and all that stuff. And then went to Bend, Oregon, started a clinic out there, and then down to LA. And in all of those different places, I was a new person with no name. I didn't really develop any any semblance of like a quote unquote like name until like late into living in LA. Uh, and so I would just reach out to key figures in the community, different trainers, Kairos, you know, just people that have access to other folks. They've already built up their network and I would see how I could be helpful in their lives. So whatever that was, typically for me, it would be like they have back pain or, you know, a neck thing or, you know, some type of, you know, they want to work on body composition or just whatever the thing is they're training for some event that I've experienced with and just find a way that I could be helpful. And then just through the, the, natural law of reciprocity, not expecting anything. Uh, oftentimes that would lead into something, you know, they connect me with somebody else and then somebody else connects me with somebody else. And, um, that would probably be the thing that would, if there was something that I've like maybe done a little bit differently than some people, it'd just be going out of my way to like find who are the people with greatest influence, not saying influencers, uh, just influence in the community or whatever community is and yeah. finding a way to be supportive in their lives. How do you get them to respond to that first cold email? I've sent thousands of emails that go totally unheard. I hear about Aaron Alexander. I shoot him a DM and he responds. What, what's the what's the secret to getting a response? Knowing what their issue is, um, particular. So if it, I think if it's just like, hey, I'm awesome. Would love to do a session with you. Whatever your thing is. I do acupuncture. I do chiropractic. I'm a PT. Whatever. That's probably not as valuable as actually doing some research and understanding, you know, if you're reaching out to whoever the, the, the celebrity somebody is, well, if it's like a celebrity, it'd be hard, harder to get to. And the way to, to connect with that person would be to help the people around them. And then eventually perhaps that, you know, trickles in, into, into their, their, their matrix. Yeah. Uh, and again, if you have attachment to that, and you're doing things with some type of like bias towards I'm, I'm trying to get something people are very sensitive and you'll get that so there's really like a a practice of unattachment 
you know, yeah. and finding a place where it's like, I really want to do this because I, I can find value in this myself. Like I enjoy connecting with this new person genuinely. Like I want to meet this new person. I want to connect with this. Like I see that alone period as value to me. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I think that would probably be a main thing. Like if someone has a very specific thing going, you're listening to a podcast with them, you heard, oh my God, you know, Tim Ferriss or whoever the, whoever the person is, they mentioned they have a, a shoulder thing and they just got done with shoulder surgery. Okay, cool. That would make sense. Now reach out to whoever, their assistant, whatever it is, um, say, hey, by the way, I'm freaking awesome, which people listen to this. Probably a lot of people are, are awesome in their own own way. They probably already have a reputation in, in their community yeah. um, presenting evidence of some sort. By the way, I worked with this person who I know you know. Uh, they're either a friend of yours or you're just they're just probably familiar with them because they're in a similar field. Yeah. You know, so that kind of creates like a little bit of a pre-vetting. I think pre-vetting is incredibly valuable. So any way that you, because there's so many people doing you know the same type of stuff. So it's all about like, you know, it's not what you do; it's what you do differently. Yeah. Uh, you know, so so sorting out like why are you different, and then also creating trust and rapport uh, through that pre-vet. So establishing whatever you can do to pre-vet yourself. And typically relationships are the best way to pre-vet. And if you're in a place where you don't know anybody, all you've just been like in your hole and you're a tremendous practitioner, but you've never you're just you're socially, you're on the spectrum. You're kind of like, okay, I'm like rain man when it comes to adjustments. But yeah. if you put me in a room of people, I just like shrink up and close down. Yeah. You gotta find your angle, you know, like find the thing that works out for you and just get started. You know, that's like like Warren Buffett. Uh, one of like the, his like biggest rules with investing is like start like the first rule beyond anything like just get in the market yeah. you know and so that would be my suggestion this is not at all what i was anticipating talking about but i i don't ever talk about this to anyone at any point at any time really so it's like kind of fun to explore like oh yeah like what is all that stuff yeah. um you know so that would be the thing i'd say first like get in the market you know get involved um find your place really establish like what is your value what do you do differently um, and just start making, you know, connections with anybody, you know, to start anybody that's like within the realm, um, you know, just keep on doing that. And eventually, inevitably, you know, I've been doing my podcast for probably nine years. I've been doing, wow. you know, training clients for 20 years. I've been doing the rolfing and the manual therapy and all the soft tissue work for 16 years or 15 years. Um, and, I think that a lot of that, that that like traction is really only coming to fruition as something that's like tangible maybe in the last few years. You know, I, I, so I ended up through relationships, ended up sorry working with Aaron Rodgers, the the quarterback. So yeah. I've been working with him for the last seven months through his whole you know Achilles rehab and like all the different things, um, and that was a product of relationships. You know, so I was had relationships established by me providing value for folks um, within that like, you know, realm or container of people. And then so that kind of there's like, cool, Aaron has value. He does acro yoga with us. He stretches us out. He's like super nerdy, geeky, weird about anything in relation to like freaking, you know, health or nutrition or biohacking or movement. If anybody has a shoulder thing, Aaron's like first to raise his hand, like I'll sort it out. So yeah. it's like, cool, do you have value in the tribe? Uh, and then from there, just continuing to, to provide value. And that was because of that 19 year process, it puts me into a place where suddenly, uh, you know, Rogers is in my sphere and he has some stuff going on with his, whatever he had going on at the time, I was able to fix it, um, in like a pretty permanent way, which is great. And then it's like, cool, like I, you know, let's keep going deeper. It's like, okay, cool. Let's do it. A few things jump out at me from, from that. Um, from that story and you just kind of getting started. One is I'm going to try to use your advice right now. And so I'm going to pre-vet myself by telling you that one of my heroes and now dear friends is Kelly Starrett. Mm -hmm. And so just reading through your book and listening to your book, Kelly wrote the intro to the Align Method or, or one yeah. of them, right? Yeah. Um, and Kelly's had a major impact on my life specifically within my profession, give me a good Kelly Starrett story and how it impacted your life and career. Cause I know you have one. So like Kelly Starrett story in the sense of um, like how I got associated and connected with yeah. him in the first place. Yeah. What's that connection with Kelly? 
Um, well, Kelly was just because of the podcast. So, so the podcast for me, now podcasts are so diluted, you know. So, like, I, I think I, in some ways, was, I don't know, lucky or something, to have started it before podcasts were really a thing. Yeah. Um, so I was able to create somewhat of a, you know, a name and kind of like establish somewhat of a position in the podcast sphere. Uh, and when, when people were more open to doing podcasts as well. Yeah. Uh, but really, Kelly, there wasn't really anything complicated with that. It was just reaching out on wherever I reached out on, you know, Twitter, Instagram. It was so long ago. I probably, probably the first podcast I did with Kelly was probably six years ago or seven years ago or something. Awesome. Um, and so I don't, I don't really have like a, an amazing story. Well, I guess maybe, maybe, maybe in somewhat. Okay, so this would be a thing. Uh, so, so we're doing a remote podcast right now. Your potential one, if you're if you if you don't remote podcast, you can have like the beginnings of rapport with somebody. But more likely than not, if you and I see each other in you know a year and a half or something like that, it would be well since you reached out to me, uh, you would probably remember me and. and in a year and a half, it would be harder for me to remember this with you unless something happens just because just by way of like, I didn't, I didn't know about you before this podcast. And well, you know, Aaron, just wait, I'm going to be all over your DMs. Following. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So stay persistent. Um, but not, and there wouldn't be really much reason for you to like, you know, try to, you know, whatever, be persistent with me or whatever. I'm just saying it, this is as an example, this is a thing that can happen. And I hope that doesn't sound totally wanky and pretentious. Um, it's just something that can, can happen with a remote thing. You're creating rapport, but it's not to the same degree as in person. For sure. It's easier to get your foot in the door. Not that you have any reason to get your foot in the door. I, there's not a ton that I would be able to provide you of, you know, value in the world or whatever, or maybe, you know, who knows? Dude, um, there's no reason for you getting foots in any doors with me or anything like that. You and my foot in the door now, but yeah, whatever you and I, we're at the same level where like, there's like, there's different value that you and I could both offer each other is, is the reality. I'm sure there's a ton of stuff, you know, way more about than I do, you know, and things that maybe I know a little bit more in some different directions. There's a lot of things that we could share yep. just as far as like, you know, you personally has so much space for so many people in their lives and the tendency if someone's not within that, like circle of, you know, 20 people or 50 yep. people or whatever it's just going to disappear so the reporting you create with an online experience is rapport but it's not fractionally close to, to the experience of actually like being with a human being so that would be something that i did with kelly that went from there's no way kelly would remember me it like the like oh yeah i remember when we did a podcast two years ago and we talked about elbows yeah you know, he'd be like he'd be like he might fake that he remembers me or whatever but like is there's not much of a connection. So if there's the availability to actually meet with the person and then I will provide value for the person outside of just the podcast. Sometimes podcasts can feel a little bit like almost like a like feels like prostitution in a way if the if the if the podcast guest is just like asking you rote questions that you've been asked a hundred times and you just provide the same answer. Yep. You can feel kind of just like oh like that wasn't the best usage of time. Um you know so go out of your way to provide value for the person, whatever the heck that is. And so for me, I meet up with Kelly and um, I meet up with uh, Juliet and I do rolfing, body work, all the things, sessions with them. They're like, oh my God, you're actually like quite talented at this. This is interesting. This like, like the way that you work stands out from anything that I've done before. It's like, oh, cool, sweet. So first you actually have the thing, you've cultivated the craft. Then you get with the person if it's yeah. possible, it's a lot harder to get with somebody than it is to do something remote. Yeah. Um, and then that creates actual rapport. Like you guys have like you've circulated each other's pheromones and felt each other's touch and felt like, you know, you actually like experience the quality of that human being. You had this like energetic, electromagnetic, pheromonal, you know, mental, emotional experience with each other, which creates memory. The way that you, you remember something is by by creating emotional content around it being with a person is, is is emotional content remote stuff there's not a ton of emotional content that transpires yeah um so that would be something that i would say that might perhaps stand out if the question was you know tell me about something that stands out with kelly start like as far as like creating connection it would be going out of my way to say cool i'm in bend oregon i'm going to drive down to san francisco i'm going to meet you at your gym i'm going to bring all my podcast equipment I'm going to commit that weekend to doing a free session for you, a free session for your wife, 
I'm going to, you know, do a, a class at your gym. I'm going to meet other people. I'm going to do the work within myself to show up and be in shape and have like a tan and have eaten healthy food for the last while Looking and got and gotten good sleep and read books that allowed me to have range to be able to have conversation outside of just this one thing, yeah. you know, and like, and just have like that life experience to be able to bring the gift of not just body work, but also like presence with the person and listening to the person and actually creating impact in that person's life. Like that's the operative thing. How do I create actual significant, meaningful value in this person's life that could potentially be supportive, you know, for my own life and path and, you know, future. Okay. A few points that jump out at me there. One, you made yourself available. You, you said, Hey, I'm going to be there for the weekend. So you did exactly what you preach, which is you just got to start. You got to put yourself out there. So that's one. Two, you were super intentional about that interaction. You prepped for it. You, you thought, Hey, what books maybe is Kelly reading? I want to read those books or what topics. Right. Are yeah. That's I'm, a thing. I'm, it's a thing. I'm going to do that. Yeah. It reminds me of my my lone interaction with a with a guy named Eric Cressy, who's mm -hmm. a star in the strength and conditioning world. Yeah, um, I sent that guy an email and said, "Listen, I'm going to be down in Florida um, a number of times over the next six months. What weekend would work for you?" He gave me a date, and then I booked my flight because obviously I wasn't going down to Florida a number of times. So their, could, their schedule is so much more important than yours. It, yeah, it's like what it's like if there's an opening it's such a big deal for someone if in the the hierarchy of whatever there's a lot of different hierarchies in the world yeah. there's just a, a you know a money hierarchy there's like a influential kind of hierarchy yeah. there's a you know maybe if it's a strength thing there's people like wow that person's the strongest person in the world i can yeah. only bench 115 pounds yeah. like whatever the heck the, there's hierarchies are inevitable it's always the same if yeah. someone that's like in like the, the stratosphere of the hierarchy is giving you the opportunity to be supportive in their life and your intention is to to, to grow towards closer where they are yeah cancel everything and 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 anything they say in that instance of like creating a little micro moment of opening that might go away and never come back i think is uh it's worthwhile making yourself very, very available for those situations and like whatever they need in that you don't want to, you know, just be become like a, like bend over for them for anything. But as far as like the scheduling goes, I think if they create a window, it's like press pause yeah. and whatever you can drive to San Francisco, you know, offer them everything and bring them a gift, like be a kind, don't be a, don't be a creepy, don't be a weirdo, yep. don't be a stalker, yep. you know, but just like be present and like, yep. and be there and like make yourself available for, it, I think it's valuable. And so that's, that's an awesome example of you kind of practicing what you preach there, making yourself available. You also said something else that's really hits home with me, which is you had to be really good at Rolfing before you have that session with Kelly Starrett, right? And so be awesome at your craft. I recently shared on one of my own pods how I was just hammering a guy who was super successful in his own business. And I'm like, hey, how do you do this? And how do you grow it? And how, how are you marketing it? And all. And he's like, Yoni, shut up and become a really good physical therapist first. Like, mm -hmm. you're in grad school. So I really took that to heart. Like, you better be the best fill in the blank before you start saying I am the best or before you start taking these opportunities and making yourself available. And that sounds like what you did. You be, you're the best rolfer. So you yeah. better be damn sure that when you're rolfing, Kelly Starrett, you know what the hell you're doing. And that obviously came through. So yeah, you so can, you can shoot yourself in the foot by being too convincing and getting yourself into places that you don't belong yeah. and then getting found out and then you're shut down permanently. Yep. Yeah. So there's that as well. Like, so you can be, you know, you can have read how to win friends and influence people and, you know, books on body language and, you know, you could have research oh kelly starts a fan of miyamoto musashi so i'm going to read the book of the book of the five rings or whatever you know and show up and have all this information you know you kind of like stalked them yeah it's like it's like weird and then yep. they finally you're like cool let's do a session and you suck you suck and now they have this memory of this person it's like oh, i remember that like they 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 sucked i would never recommend their service to anyone no you're because, dead. but if you but if you manage to get your you know foot in the door or whatever 
in three years after you put in 9,000 hours of repetitions of this and you got better and then you're there, then yeah. suddenly it's a very different thing. So I think that that's like delusional self-belief can only take you so far. Yeah. Yeah. Get really good at your craft first. So that's, that's outstanding advice. Um, okay. Tell me about Rolfing. Tell me about the, tell me what it is, who it works for and why it works. Oh, what do you think about Rolfing? Do you know anything about it? I know enough to know that I don't know enough to speak intelligently about it. Yeah. Well, Rolfing is the last name. I just asked because I'm kind of curious other, for me, I've been steeped in it for you know, a right. while. So my perception of it's like very different. Most people would think it's like live action role playing or rolling on the floor laughing or, um, you know, something, or they might know it as being something that's like some form of massage therapy or manual therapy that's super painful, but often it leads to like these cathartic kind of weird releases and, you know, emotional Ooh, stuff. And I would go with my thought would be the latter. Very painful, mm -hmm. a lot of trigger point work. Yeah. But I'm asking you to define it and maybe fill in what I don't know about it. So the painful part comes from, and I'll try to be brief because I don't know how much people really care about, about uh, you know, Rolfing because it is such an esoteric thing. Um, but the last, it's the last name of Ida P. Rolf. Yeah, I'm not going to ask you a question that people don't want to know the answer to. That's, so that's, that's a good point. I think I have, I think I have insecurity around certain things like, like, like that, where I'm like, uh, eh, like Rolfing, like, does anybody really care about what Rolfing is? Yes. Um, yes. I do. No, no. All right. So we'll, yeah, we can go as deep as you want. Um, comes from a gal called Ida P. Rolf. She was um, she had some some health conditions of herself, and she got it, it quite deep into like the world of osteopathy. Okay. And so the, the original meaning or, or um, approach with osteopathy was much more manual. You know, so it's a lot of the symptoms of disease that we're experiencing. Uh, is coming from some root, something that's rooted structurally, you know, and so if there's misalignment in the connective tissue, that could be impacting the way that you circulate lymphatic fluid, or it could be impacting the way that your nervous system functions, or, you know, visceral function, motility of the organs, respiratory function, your diaphragm, you know, all of that, in, including like the heart and the pericardium and all the connective tissue wrapping the heart or your throat or, you know, the brain's circulation of cerebral spinal fluid through the brain. So so much of, of disease or dis-ease is rooted in some structural footing. And osteopathy would be working with how do we get the, the system, or Rolfing as well, but how do we get the system into working alignment so the system can heal itself? That would be the easiest way to describe like what is structural integration, which is the term that Ida slash the people of the time would call Rolfing. It's structural integration, integrating your body. Um, and then with time, people started calling it Rolfing because it was like Ida had like the specific approach and be like, oh, you got Rolfed, you know, uh -huh. so, and so it's a weird name. I think that's probably, probably part of why I'm, and I think they're, they're like marketing campaigns probably aren't that good because they just don't exist. That's yeah. why I'm a little bit like, I'm like, I don't know if anybody cares about Rolfing, but it's, it's very effective. If you work with somebody that's very good, uh, the focus, yeah, the, the focus is on fascia or connective tissue. And saying you're focused on fascia is like way too broad and nebulous because fascia is freaking everywhere. everywhere. You know, so, so, so like anybody that does anything, if you're a talk therapist, you work with fascia, you know, because if a person's communicating or they're gesticulating or, you know, they have a cry or anything like that, it's going yeah. to affect the fascial layers of the body. So really everything works with fascia. Um, but it's, it's really specifying how do we start to work with these different layers of connective tissue or fascia to start to create space within the body so that your muscle bellies and organs and all of the different structures in the body are able to move freely because all of the space between those structures, like the muscular septa, for example, the, the space between muscles yep. is well hydrated and it has all of those fluid components for those muscle bellies or organs or whatever structures to be able to, to slide and move and communicate effectively and structural integration uh, specifically focuses on that with also a strong focus like a, like a, like a, a perennial ongoing focus on how does this tie back into the whole system yeah and so that would be something that separates a, a structural integration session compared to some other sessions 
where it could be a little bit more myopic. You come up with the shoulder thing, we're going to dry needle you. We're going to hit up your SCM. We're going to get into the traps. You know, we'll do some mobilizations around, the, you know, the, 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 the shoulder joint itself, the joint capsule. And you're like, cool, you're good. Rolfing would be, how is your breath? How is the, how is your respiratory function affecting the carriage of your shoulder girdle? Yeah. How is that tied into your pelvic floor? How is that tied into your feet? Okay, if you're laying on my table and we do this magical, amazing XYZ session with your shoulder girdle, you suddenly have ease and spaciousness and full internal, external rotation of the shoulder. It's like, wow, this is great. And then you get up off the table and you stand. Now your body's standing in gravity. All those other associations and relationships of the, of, of the rest of the body are going to start to probably pull that joint kind of back into place. And so it's it's really emphasizing uh, full body integration and uh, specifies or, or, or works specifically with with um, techniques that work with fascia. Okay, so um, that's an awesome explanation. And I think you did a good job of getting just deep enough in that. The question I have on what you just said is, I think with every intervention or let's call it um, train of thought or, or type of thought and intervention is there's an assessment an intervention and then a retest of some sort you mentioned things like pericardium diaphragm cerebrospinal fluid how how do you test those how do you assess those hmm. that's a good question i don't really know i don't have like a, a, a set test i mean i do i do know i think you know as well i think anybody that pays attention to the body at all knows like they're all tied together like none of none of those parts structures exist in a vacuum and so something that a person i mean i don't know a test for the connective tissue wrapping the heart but uh, one of those could just be like the quality of your breathing okay you know and so that would be something that i'm, I'm making this up right now by the way this is not like a you know write this down this is the, this is the pericardium functional movement screen everybody start using this with their patients or clients um but i would look at that as 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 a a um a correlate with that would be the quality of their respiration. And, and yeah. so how, let, let's dive into that. How do you assess and test respiration? What is, what is a good breather? What is a poor breather? A good breather would be a breather that has access to all of the um, structures of, of breath. You know, so a poor breather would just be a limited breather. I don't think there's like a bad or a good breather. It's just limited breathers and, and uh, less limited breathers. Okay. You know, so someone that's, that's breathing... Typically, the, the common trend that, that you already know would be a person that's kind of breathing with their shoulders, you know, and breathing, breathing with their, their neck. And it's, and they might be maybe an emphasis towards mouth breathing. Uh, they might be breathing a lot. They might be, you know, hyperventilating or superventilating and not even realize it. I think the average breathing rate for people in the United States. If you at least I heard this recently, I was doing a podcast with Brian McKenzie. I don't know where he got this information from, but so says Brian McKenzie on a podcast from like a couple weeks ago, said the average respiration rate is like 20 breaths per minute. Mm -hmm. And the healthiest version of breathing per minute would be around like five to six, like 5.5, wow. which that's that's also very interesting because a lot of the Eastern esoteric practices of like different mantras and different like singing practices they happen to match that exact cadence, which is very fascinating. Um, so that would be something I would look, I would look at, like, what's the pacing of your breath? How many breaths do you breathe per minute? You know, is that, is, what's the quality of the breath? Is it quiet? Is it slow? Is it very, um, you know, loud? You know, can you, can you hear the, the, the person breathing from across the room? Uh, look at the location of what muscles are actually, uh, breathing you you know so some uh, something that can be really helpful is thinking of the breath is like bringing it down horizontally you know so down into the lower lobes of the lungs and bringing it down into the, the the lower ribs can you breathe into your back can you start to inflate and open that space in the back can you breathe into the front are you able to access that more superior breathing pattern superior in the sense of like up portion of the body as well uh, and if you can do that, then you can have access to all of the gears of not just respiration, but also your autonomic nervous system, because respiration and autonomic nervous system, they're, they're tied together. Yep. Hence why things like if you do holotropic breath work, you'll take yourself through 
potentially some type of you'll potentially like relive some traumatic experience in your life or experience a lot of emotions will come up and all these different things because you're going in a safe container you know and safe container being a place like you're not going to get hurt or die or whatever um you're mimicking this stressed out sympathetic breathing pattern and then you're also stacking that on top of breath holds and long exhalations and maybe you know toning and humming and things of the like to kind of like massage the nervous system mm -hmm. that's you're, you're literally playing your autonomic nervous system while you're doing that you can also play your autonomic nervous system with your vision you know that's something if you're more in a like myopically focused vision that's going to put you in a more upregulated sympathetic state if you're spacing out yep. you're taking in that panorama that's going to kind of calm you down so you can start to stack these things and if you run anxious and you have some meeting you know you're like god i'm like my heart's beating out of my chest i feel i'm, I'm like panicked yeah something you could do is actively put your phone down stop looking at your you know social media notifications because it's stressing you out because your eyes are, are extensions of your brain they're feeding information to your autonomic nervous system to tell you what you should be doing yep. should i be stressed out right now because i'm about to i'm about to hunt you know or should i actually kind of like pull back a little bit and chill and just take in the whole picture so relax your eyes look up at some clouds looking up also is supportive for uh, boosting energy creativity things of the like because again it's tied into your to your nervous system and your your eyes are they're continuous with your brain it's neurological tissue uh, and then stack that with long exhalations and you could stack that on, on on top if you want to do long exhalations and you want to like go another layer do a sigh while you do those long exhalations if it's okay to even get more weird you could hum or you could ohm or mm, like that's what it, you'd see a child do if they're freaking out if you want to just learn about your nervous system just hang out with a baby babies are just they're just they're they're directly tapped in to self-regulating themselves at like the, the rawest crudest most like mammalian level because they don't have stories of how they think they're supposed to be or who they think there's how they think they're supposed to show up or what's socially acceptable what's not if they're stressed out there's they'll, they'll cry ah! Ah! it's right. like this pool of energy inside the body like emotional energy emotional content it's like i need to get this shit out of me or i'm explode mm -hmm. so what do they do they they emphasize their exhalation you know and they they make make vocalizations you know and I'll, and what that ends up looking a lot like is again a lot of those eastern esoteric practices that calm your nervous system down and open you up to into like you know higher perspectives of yourself because you're you're clearing some of the stress yeah maybe not so esoteric um if we were to wrap our arms around it is there a is there a breath practice that you make a part of your daily routine to to regulate and to optimize yeah. To keep all of those, let's say within that cylinder, like that you're able to constantly expand and, and keep that cylinder functioning appropriately. Yeah, my favorite is breath holds. You know, so okay. I'm, I'm kind of like on the opposite spectrum. I'm more in like the Buteco method, kind of like Patrick McEwen um, type type realm with breathing. Okay. I'm a I'm a big fan of breathing efficiency. Uh, you know, so for me, I want to leverage the the bore effect which is is as you increase co2 in the body uh, and you increase acidity in the blood uh it causes your red blood cells hemoglobin cells to become more liberal or open or liberated to yeah. release oxygen throughout your system and if you are over breathing so you're on that so says Brian McKenzie in the podcast a couple weeks ago, 20 breaths per minute. I have to fact check that because I don't know where that information comes from other than just Brian, but Brian's really smart with breathing. Yeah. Um, if you're in that 20 breaths per minute, you're probably in a, a place where your body actually thinks it's starving for oxygen, even though you're getting a surplus of it. You're over breathing and you think you're starving. Mm -hmm. So that would be something that I enjoy doing. I enjoy doing things that feel like they have utility and something that very clearly has utility is being able to hold your breath for several minutes like that's something that's like as i'm sitting in my bathtub or whatever yep. doing doing co2 tables where i'll do like uh you start off you'll breathe for you hold your breath for like a minute 
then you'll ventilate ventilate just you know breathe normally yeah. for a couple minutes and then come back and you, now you do a minute 15 and you keep working yourself up i'll work myself up to to 230 and then so i'll do two two minute and 30 second breath holds um at the end of that then i'll be done it'll be like a 25 minute process yeah. um sometimes i'll get antsy and just jump to the higher breath holds and make it be more of like a you know 10 or 15 minute process uh, that would be something that is going to make your your blood, the composition of your the, your blood, uh, be more effective at distributing oxygen. So suddenly you don't need to feel this. You don't have this chronic like air hunger going because you yeah. you, you fasted from air. Um, something that I would do as well is emphasize real slow nasal breaths. So try to breathe in a way that an exercise that, that's fun would be try to breathe in a way that you, it's imperceptible. So you can barely even notice yourself breathing. You know, so how slow can you bring your respiration down? Yeah. And you just do, just do that. Like even that moment where I'm like awkwardly slowing down and, and, and as we're talking, mm -hmm. I chilled out. Mm -hmm. From that, like at first, I was like, "Oh, I'm talking too slow. This is weird." And then as I was, I was, I was like, "Oh, bro, kind of like kind of calm, chilling out right now." Yeah. <laughs> it's like, "Wow, it works." It does, it does work. <laughs> with, you know, Huberman has brought this to light with, with kind of the, the Huberman sigh, and I think that's been super impactful. And then you know, I've gone down this rabbit hole of Wim Hof and his breath holding, mm -hmm. um, and the way to build that up. Um, as you move along and I've seen great utility in that for, for my own, let's call it what's between my ears. Um, how, how, and when do you apply these techniques and how important are they when you're dealing with say a quarterback that is very specifically trying to get back from a, um, repaired Achilles tendon? Well, the fastest what? way to repair is to get your body into the parasympathetic state as much as humanly possible. And so every so stacking all of the different factors that we can to put the body in a parasympathetic state uh, is going to be huge, you know. So as I was looking at as I was doing some reading about uh, mewing last night, okay. which is this this um, practice where you push the tongue up to the roof of the mouth and it's kind of like this weird thing. It's like the the back of the tongue you push up to the roof of the mouth and you like draw saliva up and you create this like vacuum seal inside the mouth and you're pushing that tongue to create space in the in the maxilla and create space in your nasal cavity and it like restructures the face it's very interesting how that works uh because you know your your sutures as 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 much as we'd like to believe like that they, they are fluid like you, you that's the whole basis of cranial sacral therapy and the fact that it's like you know the fact that braces work uh, you know, orthodontics, um, yep. and, and something like mewing where you can actually see very visible, clear effect in the before after pictures of people just going through these exercises where I'm just going to start pushing the, the tongue to the roof of my mouth, which also is an Eastern, Eastern esoteric thing as well. Yep. Putting your tongue up to the roof of the mouth completes what's called the, the, I think it's called the microcosmic orbit. That's not like my specialty is Eastern esoteric stuff. I'm just, I just find it really interesting and okay. it's beautiful to see the crossover of, of West and East. Yep. Um, you know, so you can change the whole structure and function of your of your face, you know, and, and of your your jaw and your teeth and your you know, your nasal passages just through the way that you live your life. The the, the uh, if you're chewing on things that are harder to chew, you're gonna start to develop that musculature. If you're slurping food all day long, suddenly your chin might start to recede back a little bit, you know, and suddenly you might start to experience this like crowding of the jaw because you have this slack jaw thing, your tongue is just kind of hanging at the bottom of your, your, yeah. your mouth all day long, and you don't have any outward pressure. All you have is the inward pressure of the musculature around your face, and you start to kind of like cave in on yourself. Yeah. You do that the same, similar, you know, you, you could see a person caving in on themselves with their knees. It's like if, if physical therapy world, you see a person have the, the valgus knee situation where the knees are dropping in yeah. and you're trying to squat. Like you're not going to be able to activate the hips correctly. You're not going to be able to stabilize the spine. Like the whole system starts to dysregulate and shut down because it's it's beginning to collapse on itself. And you know the rich get richer, the poor get poorer, the collapsed get collapsier, the robust get robuster because yeah. they're they're practicing those positions. Uh, I don't remember what your question was. I just so, so popped I, up on mewing. 
But going along your lines, like bringing along the esoteric Eastern world into the Western world, we have a quarterback who has a, oh, yeah. Yeah. a newly repaired Achilles, right? We know we have to load the Achilles properly. We know we have to hit gas track and soleus and everything up the chain and down the chain. And what's his foot doing? And, and what are the arthrokinematics around the ankle? When do you bring in the Eastern world to his very Western world of he just had his Achilles bolted back down to his calcaneus? Yeah, the whole time. And it really, it's just a languaging thing. You know, so for some people, uh, they would really, it's with working with a patient or a client, the biggest thing is understanding what language they speak. And so for somebody like Rogers, as people already know, he's a fan of ayahuasca, you know, did a darkness retreat and talks about a lot of esoteric stuff on, on the, the McAfee show. Yep. Um, so for him, he likes that stuff. So there's no problem for, 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 so communicating to a client like that, it's like, I want to, I want to dig into all that. I want to like actually like lean into that. If I was working with um, Trump, you know, then suddenly it might be like, okay, he probably is more of like a bit of more of like a structure guy, numbers guy, statistics guy, you know, evidence-based research guy. I'm going to, I'm going to speak that language and maybe I'll just subtly start to integrate some of those more Eastern esoteric type, like, like wisdom. Yep. into the sessions just by either maybe just being like a tuning, you know, just being that way. I'm just yep. going to be calm. So like the, the influence that I'm going to have on this session, we're not going to talk about any practices or anything that's going to weird you out. We're just going to do our training, you know, we're going to do some heel lifts and we're, you know, going to work on some like joint mobilization, like hip mobilization stuff. We're going to keep your hips open. We're going to do some lymphatic drainage, you know, keep like the channels open and circulating and moving, keep the tissue decongested. And while we're doing that, I'm just going to be chill. You know, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to start to, and since I'm leading the session, hopefully they're not on their phone. That's what happens oftentimes when you're working with someone that's like a, like celebrity, like super yeah. high level type person. Oftentimes they it's can't get out of their head. Yep. And so that's something that ideally we can find some negotiation where hey mr trump is it okay if you you put your phone down for this hour yep. you know and then after that you know if, you know all you need but just like and i would break down some evidence-based research of this is what happens when you're on your phone this is what happens when um you are maybe thinking about something else as opposed to kind of creating that like mind muscle connection with me and just be very real with coming back to like numbers, like if you're on your phone, we will have effect, but it's going to be 30% of the effect of if you were got off your fucking phone. Yeah. And so I'm unattached. You're paying me. I'm here for you. If your phone is more valuable than us actually like achieving the, the goals that we would like to achieve today, then I respect that. I respect you. Let's do that. We're going to hit this at 30%. Yep. If you want to get maximum reward from what we're doing, put your fucking phone down. Yeah. You know, and then within that, maybe I emphasize, I say, okay, cool, phone's down. Now, as I'm working, I got an elbow, you know, in between their quads or something or the anterior tibialis or whatever. I'm having them go through some plantar flexion, dorsiflexion. And I'm saying, okay, you feel that place where it feels kind of sensitive? I want you to emphasize a long exhalation. Just, oh. Okay, cool. All right, now breathe in. As you breathe in, let's do a contraction. Now we're going to stack like a PNF, you know, contract, relax type thing into this. Contract, get tight, hold tight. You know, this is this is breath work. Like you go to a, a, a new age breath work thing, they'll say, take a full inhalation, tighten your whole entire body, squeeze every sphincter in your body, squeeze your eyes, squeeze your jaw, and now let it all out. <sighs> new age, out there container, Trump has no interest in it. I yep. can do that just through stacking these very, you know, Western anatomical practices uh, in the session. And we can essentially do this really tremendous somatically based breathwork session in a span of 45 minutes. And they get done like, oh, my God, I'm not stressed out anymore. I feel totally at ease. All of these ideas that I was trying to think through, like suddenly like answers are just coming because I'm out of the way of myself. He would never say I'm out of the way of myself because that would be more, you know, out there like new age language, yep. you know, because I'm 
I'm chill, whatever, whatever words he wants. Uh, and I can think again. And now suddenly I'm breathing more efficiently. So now I have some momentum in that way where now I'm, I'm breathing more efficiently. That doesn't just stop. I keep breathing more efficiently until the stress comes back on me. And I say, cool, like amazing. Like we, that was a really amazing push in the right direction. Now let's see if we can, and I already know it's all going to come back. Most of the work's going to go to shit. You're going to go back to doing all your same stuff, yep. you know, and you're going to come back tomorrow. It's going to be better, but like not as good as I want it to be. So we say, okay, cool. Like no problem. Let's hit it again. You know, and we just slowly start chipping away <laughs> would be the, the process until eventually, you know, they're wearing crystals around their neck and, you know, they've, they've got like, you know, Kundalini, Kundalini beads and you know, they're, they're into it. Yeah, but that, that's gold because I think the, the real, the real um, nuance there is you're meeting your patient where they are and you're meeting the athlete where they are. So important. Athlete, it's the most important thing. It's the most important thing. And you might have Trump in what we call a heel float sitting forward into an RDL, but maybe you're, you're integrating this breath work into that very orthopedic Western model of we're going to yeah. load this into, but you're going to include some of that, which we know works from the East. He's not even going to know other than he feels better. Yeah. And then let's hit it again. Right. Um, yeah. so, so Langu languaging is huge. Like that's, that's how you, I would take a, a practitioner, who is really savvy with creating rapport and attunement. Like my nervous system attunes to your nervous system. We have trust. And now suddenly the patient or client wants you to win because so much of the, of, of the techniques that we're doing, we don't know what the hell's happening. Yeah. You know, we, we just, we just know like, Oh, well, like I put my elbow in this place. You know, I, I, I told the person to contract in this way or breathe in this way or whatever. And suddenly the pain went away or yeah. suddenly the tissue, you know, elongated or released, or suddenly it was really hard. felt like beef jerky. There was no fluid in there at all. Now there's, seems like there's a bunch of fluid in there. I don't know what happened. Like I have, I have definitions that I've, you know, I've, 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 I've like, I, I could create some definitions that I like to lean on of like, this is exactly what's happening. Yeah. But so much of it is, is psychosomatic. Like so much of, so much of medicine is placebo. If you don't believe that, just look at any research on placebo. It's like 50%. Yep. So, so where is placebo coming from? Placebo is largely coming from rapport, trust, and belief that whatever this practitioner is doing, he's got, he's got the stuff and I want it to work and I trust that it works. Like that's, it's not a hundred percent, it's 50%. Yep. The other 50% is knowing what the freak you're doing. Yep. You know, so actually doing the techniques that create the effect and you can create rapport by being really good at that other 50% of just being like your techniques are, are, are just rock solid. Like everything you do is just like, damn, you're like a sniper. Like every right. intervention, you know, you, you do it just, it's like change, 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 change. Like there's no wasted time. And that's something that a, a practitioner develops with time, knowing like what's not going to work and what's going to work and being more efficacious with doing the things that work more often and yep. stopping the things that don't work like quicker. Yep. That's, yep. that's, that's when a, a practitioner becomes even like almost like magically effective. They can kind of feel things in this weird yeah. mystical, like Neo matrix kind of way. Um, but rapport is a big thing. And I think it, I think it, it actually increases the hypnotic ability is a, is a term of the patient or client because suddenly they're in attunement, they're in rapport, they're in trust and they want what you're doing to work because they like you. Yep. Because you remind them of them. Whereas yeah. if I'm Eastern crystal, yeah. esoteric Kundalini guy that often, that also has, you know, knowledge in, in the Western world, but I, I'm like, my main thing is that, and I'm talking to this person that's only steeped in the Western world. He's just going to think I'm an asshole. He's just going to, he's not going to trust me and he's not going to want what I do to work because he doesn't want to rock his own belief systems. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that reminds me of one of my heroes, Dr. Tim Stone always says, um, you know, your patient doesn't care how much, you know, until they know how much you care. Yeah, sure. And you got to show them that you care and that you're pulling in the same direction, right? It's not about Aaron Alexander. It's about Aaron Rodgers, or it's about Donald Trump or whoever's in front of you. Yeah. Um, and once you guys get alignment, I think that goes a long way. Um, huge. Looking at um, one of the awesome offerings that you have is is your six week program, and, and you you mentioned in your six week program that before you even get rolling with the program, I think the first week is all assessment, right? Yeah. And, and taking baselines. 
Can you walk me through how you have these athletes assess essentially themselves and develop their own baseline? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we go through and we go the the first assessment on there. We check out the function of your uh, your feet. You know, so we look at the toe hinge. We look at ankle mobility. Uh, we measure dorsiflexion because it's usually going to be the main limitation for people. Um, we go through hip function, internal external rotation, extension, you know, flexion, like all the different regions. Uh, we go through thoracic mobility, uh, shoulder mobility, neck mobility. Uh, and then we take them through a sit-rise test on the first week as well. And so the sit-rise test, that was, I'm sure you've you've seen like there's like research, I think it was from like Sao, Sao Paulo, it was somewhere in Brazil. And the suggestion was that you can predict a person's life expectancy based on their, how well they get up and down off of the ground. That's so the way they did that research, I don't remember the exact numbers, but it was, it was a, a group of X number of people between, I think it was like the ages of like, late 50s to early 80s or so and they it was a six and a half ish year study and they took all these people through this sit rise test and each they start off with a perfect 10 score and then every time they have to if they wobble as they're getting down up and off the ground one like a single wobble is a half a point loss if they have to use a hand then it's a full point loss uh and the prediction with that is that if they have to use i think it was like if they got like less than an, if they got an eight to a ten out of out of uh, ten score compared to the people that got like a less than like a three out of ten score, they were some significant number more likely to to die during that that six and a half year period of the study. So all of this stuff, obviously, it's not like it's like if you can't get up and down off the ground, you're just going to die in the next four years. Yeah. You know? But it was it was it was one strong predictor of the the level of like like grasp. That a person has in their vitality and fall risk is the number one leading reason for elderly needing assisted living you know it's like you you just you lose your autonomy as a person you know and, yep. and that's like that affects your confidence that affects your belief system of who you are and what you can do in the world suddenly you become a liability to your family and to yourself everything starts kind of again collapsing in in yeah. this expedited rate if you start to lose that capacity to effectively get up and down off the ground so i make that be like a, a forefront of like we're going to make sure that when you go through this six-week program we're going to get you as close to a perfect 10 score by you know as soon as we can depending upon where you're at it might it might take longer than six weeks but it might it might take you know six hours if we just show you a few techniques and you know open some space up and some joints that you just didn't have space at before because you weren't going through those ranges uh, and then also in the first week, which if people want to check this out, it's totally free. So you can go and, and see all this stuff. It's at alignpodcast.com slash AMP. AMP stands for Align Method Program. So you can start that. It's free. You can see the assessments that we do on there. You can take the sit-rise test yourself. And then I go through, I believe it's like four different um, joint mobilization techniques and soft tissue uh, techniques that I found to be incredibly helpful. So it's like pin and stretch and PNF and traction, joint traction and things like that. And just breaking down, like, here's how you do this effectively. And this is stuff that you can stack into any training program that you do or any program that you do with, with clients. So that's yeah. yeah Onlinepodcast.com slash AMP is the, the free trial that people want to check it out. And it's, and it's, it's an awesome program. And I love that it empowers the athlete, you know, it puts it on them and it gives them their own baseline and what they're now able to watch themselves improve i think that's a major differentiator between a lot of which i see out there where okay we're going to do this for six weeks and right you'll feel better maybe you won't you're showing yeah. them like, you're better remember yeah. where you were six weeks ago? i think it's a really valuable thing you know, like take that's something that 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 happens in the rolfing world um quite often they'll do before after pictures and they'll do pictures of like your facial structure and you know they have you standing from all different planes um you know so forward and side and backward and the other side um I'll also have take people through like a squatting test and lunging and, you know, you know, like I said, overhead range of motion and all those different things and then have the person film it. You don't need to show it to anybody ever again. It's just for your own files of, you know, me, Selma Barbastowitz yep, in yep. Nebraska, 39 years old on March 15th, 2024. This was me. Yep. All right. Now, cool. Mate, like we have a baseline. 
Yeah. So as opposed to everything being this kind of slippery, swampy, like, okay, I'm going to start doing stuff and hopefully something happens. Yep. I think establishing that baseline and just getting like real with yourself of like, this is where I'm at. Yeah. I don't need to show it to anybody, you know, but like this is, you know, get you go get yourself like, uh, you know, do one of the tests so you can see your body fat, you know, and your body composition and maybe check out, get your bone density tested. Maybe go get some, you know, when I work with private clients, we'll go through the whole gamut of, of getting a comprehensive blood panel and I'll have them work with a functional medicine doctor and we'll kind of work together to make sure that establish here's where you were at. Now here's the deficits and here's the places where you're doing fine, but you're not like quote unquote optimized. Now let's actually have rock solid evidence that you can look at and compare before and after. And then what that's going to do outside of just being better results for you, you're also going to trust me more because it's not this thing. Like I know that you've experienced this with, with probably a ton of different, different um, people that you've worked with. They'll come in a couple months ago with this terrible hip pain or shoulder thing or back thing or whatever. And then you guys have been working for a few weeks and, you know, they have some other issue or maybe another issue or whatever. They might be just be kind of a little bit whiny. They might be a person that kind of like, they might grow up in like a culture like I grew up in, in Lancaster, where we kind of talk about what our problems are. Yeah. And if I don't have a problem, then who the hell am I? And what am I, you know, what am I doing with my life and my time? And within that, they might totally forget that, bro, you had debilitating back pain right. a month ago. You don't even remember that. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, you have, like you're complaining about this thing or whatever, or you're just in a place where like, oh, cool, like this is, you know, yeah, I think it was pretty good. It's, yep. like, it's like you don't even actually have memory of that thing. And so I think having that baseline to look back and be able to like, like, wow, like we are really, we've yeah. come a far away. Or to be able to look back and be like, this isn't working. Yep. And I think both of that is incredibly valuable. Yeah. And, and let's change, right? What can we learn from the fact that yeah, you're how do not we adjust? better? How do we, how do we adjust and how do we do it efficiently? Like, like you said, and that's, probably. that's the whole, like being a, uh, you know, I don't know if being a sniper is the best analogy, but I, I kind of like the idea of being like very surgical with yep. your interventions as a practitioner. And this is, this again, this is something I don't talk about very much. So I, I enjoy unpacking. I don't even talk about me doing manual therapy or body work or any of that stuff in any kind of public way, hardly ever. So this is like a fun conversation for me. So I appreciate it. Um, so this will now be additive. I take back what I said before of being like, if we meet in two years, I'm probably be like, you. Oh yeah. I don't, you know, and then, then I'll be like, pretend like I remember the thing remember because that. of this, because yes. we're doing a thing that's like actually sets this conversation apart. Love and it's it. something that's like, I enjoy talking about that. I don't really hardly ever talk about. Yeah. Um, you know, that's like that's a that's a cool thing to come back, call back to the beginning of the conversation. Oh yes. Okay. Um, that that's awesome. Listen, that's that's what I try to counsel all of our therapists on our team is to get this pretest post test. If you're gonna put your hands on a patient, you've got to be doing it for a reason. It's not just fluff and it's not a time filler. Let's look at whatever you're working on, let's say range of motion of your shoulder, let's do an intervention, needle and um grass and hands on whatever and let's retest is it better if yeah. not how are we adapting that's your program dude aaron that's what sets your program apart um you should be you should be talking a ton of this i would love to dive into nutrition but i don't have time to dive into nutrition but yeah. we will get there in our second podcast so yeah, just sure. put that on the calendar i want to finish with an eric cressy lightning round you ready yeah let's go yeah yeah okay here we go Biggest mistake that manual therapists make? Well, I think I'd probably answer this differently and depending upon like the hour that you're, that you asked me and what we're talking about before. But the thing that comes to mind that I was just thinking about would be like forcing a square block into a circular hole. And because you know this technique, you're just going to like make this technique work and not mm -hmm. listening to the, the, the term that I learned in um, some, I think it was probably maybe Rolfing School, I'm not sure, but reaching a point of diminishing returns with an intervention. I think the more sensitive a person can be with knowing we've reached a point of diminishing returns, this thing, whatever the thing that I'm doing, it was, it was pretty effective. And then it became kind of effective. 
And now it, I can, okay, I see it's diminishing. My returns are diminishing. I already kind of know that it's at a point of like just kind of effective. I'm going to do something else yeah. before getting to the point of, okay, it's not effective. All right, I'm going to try it again. Yep. Maybe it'll work next time. Okay, it's still not effective. Shit, I'm kind of out of tools. Um, yep. We're going to make this thing work. You know, and, and so I think I think being really sensitive to that diminishing returns with an intervention would be something to cultivate. And the way that you can cultivate that is by having a broader toolbox. Yeah. You know, so so the tools that you have, the weapons that you have in your artillery, be as 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 proficient with them as humanly possible and expand them, you know, and start to look at the nervous system, start to look at start to look at respiration. If you can tap into sort a person's breathing out. I guarantee a lot of the stuff that you are just banging your head up against a wall trying to sort out, it's very likely tied into their nervous system and their nervous systems tied into the respiration, you know, and then maybe get in, get into like visual exercises. There could be something that's, that's some type of, some type of, of visual thing going on that's actually messing up every time they take a step and every time they walk. Their balance is a little funny. They're being pulled a little bit to the left or pulled a little bit to the right. Their neck's a little kinked out. You know, so start to understand how the eyes are affecting your your movement. Um, you know, get into lymphatic drainage. Yeah. You understand, like, wow, this this whole the sewage system of the body. Like, damn, interesting. If I was creating a community, a town, and and I had to have all these systems, maybe have a president or a king or a queen or whatever. Like uh, down the chain, like very, very soon, I'd say, holy shit, we have trash building up everywhere. Yep. Like at, where's, where are the factories that are sorting this, processing this trash? Like, oh, right. That's your, that's your, your, your glands. That's your lymphatic system. And that's the channels, the highways that allow those trash trucks to move from your foot to your knee, to your pelvis, to your heart, to the, you know, to your neck and uh, circulate through that whole entire thing. So um expand your horizon in the in the various different systems you know and start to just kind of dip your toes into different waters of of um at least having like a cursory awareness of how to touch on some of those systems because sometimes you might be working on something that's just like you're purely musculoskeletal yeah. and if you just had any sense of how to get into the organs you know and kind of do a little bit of visceral massage or any of that uh, a lot of that stuff that you're working with and trying to unbind the the hip, if you just had the, the confidence to get in and start to get your hands in the abdomen and maybe go beyond just the iliopsoas, you know, yeah. and start to move into, you know, just the other the other structures in there, suddenly what you might find, what you almost definitely will find is suddenly you, you end up getting that spaciousness and that ease and that lubrication that you were looking for. Yeah, yeah. Add more tools. It's something I hated hearing in, in graduate school, but add more tools so that you have somewhere to go. And also more systems. More systems. Like yeah. start, start, start look, start looking at as as you know how you get this the different anatomy um, posters. Sure. There's like the muscle poster. There's the nervous system poster. There's the lymph poster. There's like all the different things. Start doing that with your patients and your clients and start being like, maybe this, maybe I'm not even actually on the right system right now. Yeah. Interesting. That, that's, that's awesome. Um, where's Aaron Alexander in the next three years? I don't know. Hopefully somewhere tropical. Yeah. Doing what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. We might maybe, I don't know. I think probably, probably doing more of what I'm doing. I would think, and just becoming, I think a lot of what I'm really interested in is just deepening my own relationship to my, my own body and my own, you know, mind and, you know, sorting out some of like the, 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 the deeply, um, set subtle anxieties that like govern my world and can kind of spill into relationships and like romantic partnerships and, you know, kind of, ways that I might subtly be self-sabotaging myself and not realize it and just creating more depth within that relationship to allow that process of becoming a better version of myself to just naturally spill out into people that I come in contact with. Yeah, whatever it is you're doing. Um, yeah. Okay. So tell everyone listening, how do we find you? Remind us where we can get a hold of you. Um, 
Well, yeah. So if people want to want to check out the the free trial of the program, um, I'd recommend that. That's that's alignpodcast.com slash AMP. And then social media is Aaron Alexander. The podcast is Align Podcast. Um, yeah, that's that, that's it. YouTube so, podcast. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll echo the plug of your pod. There's such great stuff in there. Oh, thanks, um, man. Yeah, I, I love some some of the debates. Like the Seedman debate was just fascinating. <laughs> yeah. You just, yeah, you just good. awesome job. Yeah, I mean, I, I really learned a ton. The book was outstanding. So thank you nice. for all the knowledge and all the work that that you put into that and to this podcast. You have been an awesome guest. Look out in your DMs for me following up and staying on your radar. Aaron, thanks for being here, man. You taught me a ton. That was really fun. Yeah, I appreciate you. you taught me a lot as well. I really hopefully that was helpful for uh, folks, me getting to go into some places that I just rarely go into. So I appreciate you creating the space for that. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate right. it, man. Be in touch. Yeah. Thanks, everybody.